Welcome to Therapists Uncensored, a podcast where therapists freely speak their minds about real-life matters. Welcome back to Therapists Uncensored. This episode is number 14, and we have a very important and exciting announcement, which is that we started in the beginning of September of 2016, and we have just hit our 10,000th download. So thank you so much for your support and for sharing and for listening. It means a lot that we imagine as we're speaking that there's actually somebody out there. And we're in 51 countries and 49 states. So we often ask to hear from you and to certainly give us feedback. And I imagine we might get a couple of letters from today's episode because it is about big feelings after the election and how to deal with those at family events. Without further ado, let's roll it. Welcome back to Therapist Uncensored. I'm Sue Marriott, and I'm here with my co-hosts. Patty Allwell. And I'm Ann Kelly. And you guys, this is a tough one, is it not? It's been a heck of a week. It has been. I think we're all feeling a little uh, heavy and moved and open for discussion, but a little pensive. Right. Probably like most people right now, we are sick to death of talking about the election. And yet also we keep almost like a loose tooth, you know, you keep touching it to make sure it's still there. (laughs) (laughs) I heard it. I heard the use of social media described like a hairball in the drain, you know, like it's disgusting, but you kind of have to keep poking at it and try to get it out. (laughs) Like we can't quite not get off of social media. Um, Maybe. um, But in other words, we're saturated, yet we're not finished processing it, so we have to talk about it. Right. And I think it's we've decided as a team that it's a really important topic to talk about, especially right now, right before the holidays, because a lot of us are heading home, and there's going to be disparate views all around the table. It reminds me of the uh, Adele video, if no one's had a chance to <laughs> I visit that. I thought about that, that too. That's yeah. hilarious. The Adele video. And if you haven't seen last year's SNL... We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. You have to see it. But everybody's, uh, from my experience, and in my case, everybody's a little pensive about going home, no matter who you voted for and how you're feeling. And uh, so it seems like a really important time to hit this topic and and do a reach out about it. And a lot of times, even when you're on the same team, let's say you and your husband or wife or partner or sister or whoever is uh, still on the same team and one person is enraged about it and maybe the other person doesn't want to hear about it and is tamping them down. So there's lots of different ways that we can get into interpersonal conflict around post-election big feelings. Oh, yeah. And so this is torn apart friendships. It's impacted, you know, families and it's, you know, it's not, it's a macro thing in this nation, but it's a very micro thing in families and friendships and bosses and coworkers and people on Facebook. Yes. Believe me, I all the unfriended and who got friended and uh, tough stuff. So in today's episode, we want to do just some, uh, we want to be very focused and focus on something positive, which is let's try to understand some of these big feelings that are going on, because we think that the more you can understand them in yourself, and perhaps then in the other in other folks around you, it's going to equip you to make good decisions about sort of next steps. Uh, we're not going to try to tamp anybody down for what they're feeling, but just empower you with understanding. Um, actually, that can free you up to act if you feel uh, compelled to act in a less reactive way, in a deliberate way that can be maintained. 
And then in addition to understanding it, we really want to um, address the, the particular interpersonal piece where families and friends, what to do with these big feelings and how to uh, how to channel them basically and for the most not productive. And shame each other for having different views. Well, actually, that launches us right into one of the first topics. There is a piece about this that one of the things that we want to do, again, I keep talking about big feelings, and we, this is a podcast about self-regulation, understanding the neurobiology, and understanding you know, more deeply what we're feeling. So right now, even, for example, in um, lots of setting, work settings, for example, that are usually very calm and mild, if these subjects get brought up, people either want to tap them down and not talk about them at all, which is understandable, or for fear, because if you do talk about them or identify yourself in one particular camp or the other, that it may alienate you. And so, or it in fact has alienated it you. Has, it's not even exactly it, right. for some. It's not even a may, and that's what we're talking about. There's a lot of people splitting here in individual relationships. So we're talking about the divide, not only in the country, but the divide very personally. Or in your neighborhood, if, you're, your neighborhood. if you live in mm-hmm. Lubbock, Texas. And uh, it's all red, and you put up your blue sign. It's very frightening. And if you were recording from Austin, Texas, which is a very blue town, and there are plenty of red hearts and uh, minds that don't feel safe with all these crazy liberals around. So what about that? You mentioned shame. That's one of the things we wanted to talk about, is being able to differentiate between what you're feeling, like some of the feelings of fear, that rage. is fear, rage, fright, which is different. Yeah. General anxiety about what's going on. Hopelessness. Hopelessness. Depression. Righteous we're... indignation, which is a good one. Yeah. So people, what, I think what we're talking about, and maybe it might be helpful just to briefly talk about not to be shocked that people are having actually a real traumatic response. It's not, this isn't just a response of passionate differences, which is really unique. And for those of us that have been around a while, we've never seen anything like this, that this is not just passionate divide. We're seeing a big traumatic response. So y'all are naming symptoms that you might be experiencing, but a lot of people are experiencing them to an extreme. That's exactly right. It's a deep distress, a deep tearfulness, or a deep fear to where it's engaging our bodies probably in a way that many people are unfamiliar unless it's a personal trauma. I mean, this is what's making this so unique. Well, according to the Pew Research Center, Americans are more divided about this political contest than they have been in U.S. history. It's not just that we see things differently. It's that we see things strongly differently, and we feel like the other side is a threat. And that the other side totally does they they don't understand us, and we can't we can't understand them. It's like we don't have a sense of how either side can possibly see the world that way. So this divide throws us into threat. And uh, if you've been listening to the podcast, we talk some about what happens in threat, which is that perceptions change, and we they narrow, and things go black and white. And we get more polarized, which is exactly what we see happening. Threat was used, I think, intentionally in the election to scare people and to create some of this activity to vote and to get out. We want to just put this more in the frame of the neurobiology of feelings and emotion to help us more deeply understand this just historic divide 
in our country and in our families. Yeah, and even personally, I was telling a friend that I was on the internet yesterday and I opened an email from the Audubon Society and I'm not a birder, I like birds, but I immediately joined the Audubon Society at a higher level than their base level. And then I started going through their website looking for native plants that were good habitat for bees and birds and butterflies. And after a while, I sort of went, what am I doing? And it was sort of a way for me to deal with my hopelessness or helplessness to feel like this was a little piece of the world that I could control and make better that really gave me a a move towards action that was sort of surprising to me because I almost headed down that path without consciously knowing why it felt good to do it. Like an adaptive self-soothing. Yes. Patty, as you talk about hopelessness, that's sort of a key that I think one of our goals in having this podcast when we were talking about it before we started is that we do want to be part of the voice about what to do now, both individually and as a nation, because I think it's it's a really important point in our country. And some people are taking it to an extreme to say, we need to all quit complaining and, and quit rioting and get behind our government. And there's an important point to that. But there's also an important point to the to the rioting. And I think when you I really like that you say that because, you know, someone might hear my story and think, that's not enough. You should be marching on Washington or you should be, you know, doing supporting your president, something. Yeah. So there's there's no it's important that we listen to each other at this stage and really hear what people have to say rather than immediately shutting them down, either by shaming or saying you don't want to hear about it. Well, I'm not so sure, though, actually. Um, again, just like you said, somebody might be offended by the, oh, you were just nesting in your house. Um, I think if we tell people to listen to each other, and it's too early to do that, right. a lot of people would say, I don't freaking want to listen to anybody. I've listened enough. I've seen enough. I want to move. And anybody who wants to not to do it differently is not okay and you're part of the problem and, and silence is complicity. And so part of it is like bringing all this together. That's a threat response. I think that the obviously the country can argue whether or not that's a that's reasoned and that makes sense, but it is part of what we want to understand is those those absolutes are threat responses and we can stay in threat. Like we want to, what we want to do is like, if you just feel, even as we're talking, you might be getting a little bit, you know, I think it's hard even as us, as we're sitting here looking at each other, it's such a incredibly powerful topic. And the more, in order to like sort of channel our power, if we can understand what's happening better inside of ourselves. I've spent a lot of time in righteousness and thinking I know and other people don't know and people are idiots and all kinds of things like that. And that's a useful place to be at times. And I might want to just, and part of what I'm speaking to is there's a group of people that are going to be right there that are probably listening. And I'm with you. I'm with you, hon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're together. Um, and I found it helpful to just see it in a continuum of that that's an important space, um, but I don't have to stay there. But I might want to stay. The more that I can more deeply understand, righteousness is a safe place to be. I don't feel very threatened if I feel righteous. Now, I might not be very discerning about difference and about 
um, being aware of how I'm coming across to other people or things like that. But I sure do feel better. And um, that's a, that's not, you know, we're not knocking that right now. Well, especially not, it's a really good point, Sue. And the thought I was thinking about earlier is, Patty, that when we um, feel helpless, that it's a really scary feeling. And I think that's the trauma I hear in people right now is this fear and their helplessness. They don't feel like they have a voice. And I think it is, as as you were speaking earlier, I think Trump really spoke in a way that disinhibited people that were feeling helpless in different ways. That's right. And so because we can, so, so on either side, one of the reasons he got elected and, and we need to listen to that voice out there that uh, the people that, that got disinhibited and started speaking out about their own fear and their own helplessness. And they believed that he might be the person to help them with their helplessness. So if we can attune that there are many people on both sides of the street feeling helpless. That's exact. That's the point. That's, that's very important. And, and, and to speak that voice of helplessness. And, and I think also I, I feel like, and by God, I don't want to feel helpless. I'm going I to do don't something. To, yes. And so there's a way that, to that, action. that I think the thing is everybody calm down. I kind of agree with it. And I don't like in some ways as a parent, there is part of me now, as I have calmed down a little bit more, that also realizes this is also a very pivotal, important time for our country. I think there's a way that we've actually been able to be complacent and think our government's going to take care of us and to trust that the government's got it and we can complain about it. But, you know, it's still always going to be there. And I think this is the first time for many of us that we are, are probably for most of us, if we look at the election, no matter which side you're on, you start to believe the government may not be there. You either believed it before this election, so you voted, or you believe it now. And you think, oh my God, my government is might fall apart on me. And maybe it's that sense of helplessness put to action and put to voice and passion that comes out of self-righteous indignation. That's an important voice. I, I'm not an advocate that we only land there. But I think there is some relevance to giving room to the to the, those inside you and others about I'm angry and I'm pissed and I'm scared and I need you to hear me. That's well, and you know you you touched on the trauma response, mm-hmm. and I think we need to be pretty clear that there are, there's an increase in violence against certain categories of people in this country right now. And when you talk about Trump as a disinhibitor, mm-hmm. he's a disinhibitor to people who, you know, felt like their voice wasn't being heard and that they had a rough economic situation. And he's also a, vo- a disinhibitor for the people who want to throw a bomb into the works and just blow it all up. Absolutely. But he's also a disinhibitor for people who have upped the violence against um, minorities, absolutely. And LGBT people and Muslims and immigrants and, and anti-Semitic, so, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's for real, absolutely. You know that, of course. There's a trauma response. They are in threat, and that's why the whole "let's just calm ourselves down." I think that is a troubling. That's a troubling um, suggestion. And that's why I think this this conversation is so important. I think it is important to be listening to yourself and what makes you angry and listening to the person around you who might have voted differently. Why did they vote? And listen, because it might have been economic. It might have been all these different things. And where do we actually align as a country? And we might have a lot more aligning around, hopefully, I want to believe, around deep issues, including 
racial issues, LBGT, well, and it, our it, desire to take care of middle America who have lost their jobs. Like, no matter which side, we might all have that same voice, and we can't forget that. Yeah, I totally agree. And separate it from the disinhibited voice that actually is feeling racist, and you can feel that people are unsafe right now, and they are. And to give that a voice, we need to be mad if we see more racial discrimination happening and violence and protest against those brother and sister Americans. Now, here's the other piece, Patty, you had mentioned about um, trauma. And what I've seen is that people on the that have voted for Trump that want to be not seen as racist mm-hmm. and don't lump me into other categories, but they but there really is a a sense of not understanding. What do you mean you're scared to walk down the road? I don't understand as a woman why you might be more frightened. It was just locker talk. That's right. And, and But genuinely, like right. not really, understanding. And they're not in favor of abuse to women, and they really don't understand why this is a It's just a political choice. It's a political choice. And it's important, I think, to speak to that, that it is a real fear. And if we can move the conversation from whether or not I'm a racist because I voted for Trump and then I'm defending myself, I'm not a racist, I swear I'm not a racist, to, well, great, then we both don't want to be racist, so let's talk about race. Let's have a deep conversation about race. And so that's a little bit of a tight, that's a trick, <laughs> it's a Tai Chi move that we're not going to argue about who's racist and who's not racist. If, we're, if you're saying that you're not a racist, then you care about race issues, right? So let's have a conversation about race issues. Or about immig- immigration. What do and, you believe? Yeah. Exactly. And, and if we can move to a what do you believe and, mm-hmm. and we're safe with the other person, that really coming to understand what is it that they believe? What are they afraid of? Um, now we actually have movement. And, and it's being heard and being listened to that's going to signal safety. And when we get safety, we get out of black and white thinking and we get more nuanced. And that's the left is all about empathy and nuance. Until you say, okay, what about empathy across the political divide? And then it's like, no, those people are blah, blah, blah. And it, that's really true, isn't it? And mm-hmm. But empathy is empathy. And if we're wanting another side to show empathy for disenfranchised populations and for the underdog, which is easy for the left to do, it's actually a, sort of a more mature place to be able to work to find that. Um, across the political divide when it's very different um, philosophies and to look for similarities and to, and to be discerning about differences that can both be respected that don't infringe on civil liberties. So that is a positive movement uh, um, because now we're looking... Basically, anytime we move from a more primitive stance, which is they're all assholes or the world is falling apart or um, those liberals are going to burn down the country and get your pacifiers and leave the state, you know, leave their country if you have a problem. That's a more primitive black and white state. Right. And as we feel, and we do that when we feel threat, which is what you're saying, Anne, Mm -hmm. and I totally agree. Mm -hmm. And it's, so, so are we, here's the question to our listeners. Are we contributing to people feeling threat and including ourselves, or are we beginning to make movement towards, um, getting ourselves first safe, which might mean getting off our rear ends and doing something that actually it's not, this isn't a passivity conversation, but it's a clarity. It's a moving towards understanding yourself and what's moving you and being able to respond. And 
And doing that, we might actually be safer for the other side. But if we're machine gunning, then, you know, we, defense evokes defense, as we've learned in other podcasts. Oh, totally. And I really do think that um, you'll find there's a certain segment of the population that supported Trump that is coming from a place of fear, too. Even, Mm -hmm. you know, if you... Yeah, that's what we were saying, for sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. if you look at the anti-immigration stuff, it's really like somebody's going to come in and and bomb my home. It's not, you know... Bring bring drugs into my kids. Right. Mm -hmm. It's coming from a real place of fear, and we might agree or disagree about what to do about it, but if we can align on the fear... I think that's really, really important. And that's very different than say, let's just all get along and agree to disagree and go about our way. Right. I think that is not, and it's really easy, especially as coming from a bunch of therapists, it may sound like we're trying to say, let's just all get along and go on our way and be calm and peaceful. And I don't think that's what we're advocating. But I think we touched on the self, you know, the self-righteous indignation. And when we feel powerless, it's really important to feel righteous and get angry because it may move us into action And yet the difference between let's talk about going home to Thanksgiving, if you're across the table from somebody at a divide and you're scared to talk about it, but if you get into it as you are an idiot that you think this way, do you think you're going to be moving your listener no matter which side you're on versus I'm really angry. This is my point. I want to hear your point about what you believe about these topics. So different from being afraid. I hear so many people right now afraid of their own views being expressed because they're fearful of judgment and shame. So you brought up shame, Patty. I want to reiterate that. How do we listen and be angry without then shaming you're an idiot for feeling that way rather than I'm angry you feel that way. And I want to challenge your thoughts. And can you hear why I'm afraid? I want you to hear that. And that's a different response when you're talking to a family member. Well, I heard a wonderful suggestion from someone today, which is ask permission to have the conversation. And then if it gets out of hand and you think it's getting destructive, say, well, maybe we can't have this right now. Because your family will be around for a long time. And this administration or any administration won't be. That's exactly right. Like we don't encourage cutoffs in general. So um, in particular, you know, this is a moment in time. I like what you're saying. And so what about Thanksgiving? Let's and 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 the holidays are coming up, uh, Hanukkah and Christmas and so forth. Um, What are some of the suggestions, you guys? Let's let's give our listeners some good take homes. I think one that you take away's takeaways, take home. <laughs> don't take- go home. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> don't throw the pumpkin pie. I think the first suggestion I would make is to be very self-aware about what's going on inside you, because if we're not aware, then we're going to go home and we're going to kind of throw it out. I'd like to sometimes describe and th- that we've, we feel so much inside that we throw up on, <laughs> on other people and then we feel much better. And they're sitting there going, ah. So being aware, are you in a stage of fear of speaking? Are you in a, in a stage of indignation? Are you in a stage of depression? Are you in elation? And like being self-aware so that you don't, and then allowing yourself to know that you're different from the other people rather than assuming people should be in your same space. And how can you know that? Like, like a lot of times when I do feel more indignant, I think I'm fine and other people have the problem. So I'm, it's hard to be aware of my own defenses, 
But a, a clue uh, for audience members, if you're anything like me, who can be dense at times, is that um, if you don't care how you're coming across, then you feel very impatient. Um, yeah, if you just if you aren't able to stay connected to your listener, so um, yeah, I have I have feelings, but if they're more important than hurting you, then it's probably a sign. It's fine. I mean, that might be fine, and it might be what you choose to do. So no judgment there. However, if you with this notion of self awareness, just know that the more primitive, like that's a more that's a lower brain place to be. And I guess if I could draw it up. What I would like for folks is that you get a, you do a quick scan. It's like, okay, how, you know, am I Fred Flintstone right now or am I Gandhi? You know, like, where am I in my brainstem? If the more that I'm ready to just let it fly, as you're saying, Anne, and it's one directional and I'll tell you how I think and feel, then we're a little bit more lower down, like kind of further in the cave. And again, that's fine. There's a reason for that. We feel, we still feel in threat. And it might not be the best time. We're not going to get at least a healthy dialogue. Probably. We're not going to be signaling safety as we talk from there. But if we can, and this is what you were talking about as being angry, yet also be able to be connected to the other person and be aware of how you're coming across, then you're a little bit higher up and you know, closer to your neocortex, a little more relational. And that probably is going to make the conversation, um, it's going to signal safety for your listener. And it might be that they're crazed and that they're in the cave and that it's the minute that you bring it up that, you know, you get vomited on. But at least at that point you can like, you can navigate, well, this isn't going well and I can get out of this conversation past the turkey, right? <laughs> or turn <laughs> on Adele. Turn on Adele, exactly. <laughs> well, and I, It's a I, good self-regulation technique. Yes. I, I highly recommend it. I think you were talking about feeling self-righteous and I think on an earlier podcast you talked about Always be a little suspicious of yeah. yourself. It's <laughs> not fun to do. <laughs> right. When you're feeling self righteous. Because anybody it's too simple. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. It's Go too ahead. simple and one and one sided. And there's some validity to almost every position you're facing. And so sort of trying to at least hear the validity in the other person's point of view. Yeah, even if it's point oh 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 one, Right. <laughs> <laughs> like when there's it, some, we have to have some place to start. Well, and I, I like what you're saying too, being like aware, self-aware. And actually, if we can actually name that we're feeling afraid or angry, that's already brought us up and made us more connected to the other person. It's just like when we talk about with couples, instead of just saying you're wrong, you, 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 which, you know, always goes well. Right. <laughs> Um, when we stop to go, I feel angry and I feel scared and I feel worried, no matter which position, it's already more inviting. That family members are already caring Mm. more about you. And we stop to, we forget to put ourselves in there and we're just talking ethereal. And then we, we really can create conflict. But when we go, I'm feeling afraid, I'm really feeling afraid that this may happen. We have a much more engaged dialogue, no matter which one. And, and here's a hint on. to anybody who's um, hears, I'm really afraid and you think it's ridiculous because they shouldn't be afraid. Like it's not like somebody's going to jump out of the bushes and get them. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> right? That like if somebody's telling you they're afraid, they mean it. So if you're on the liberal side and, uh, and someone else that uh, voted on the other way is saying that they are afraid for their country, believe them. And the other way around, um, and in particular, I think about women. This has been such an election around with the conversation about women 
and the rates of trauma for women and people who just have found their voice and have really come out about their molestations and about being groped and about just even sexual harassment. Rape. The the percentage of women who have had to deal with some form like that, if we include sexual harassment, is so high. You're, it's going to be harder to find somebody that has never had an experience like that than has. And women are coming from a more disempowered place. So the notion of him uh, with those tapes and things like that and then being elected has been really resonated in a traumatic way to many, many, many people. So even if you're in a position where you don't get that and you don't understand it, our advice, I think, would be to work to understand it. Have them, if you don't know what to say, just get them to talk more. Say more. Help me understand. I don't get it. Don't tell them they're being ridiculous. Exactly. And, that's what I'm and saying. And that's not what he really means because it doesn't mean you may believe he's going to be a good president or you may not. Either way, if somebody's feeling traumatized, it means they're afraid. And to say, what are you afraid of? And that we would highly recommend you don't say you're being ridiculous. And that includes, what if I say, you know, I'm afraid of all of those people coming in from over the border. Mm-hmm. How are you going to handle that, Patty? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think you listen to their fears. Yeah. I mean, they're going to take my jobs. Well, it, I thought you were talking about the threat of terrorism, but you're talking oh, about the threat of both, jobs. They're going to blow me up and take my jobs. Okay. <laughs> I think you let them talk, you know. Um, and who isn't afraid of terrorism, right? It's just, so they might believe that's their answer, but you can align with the fact that you're, they're, you're afraid of terrorists, but that doesn't... Right. And I mean, you know, you can get into the weeds and start arguing about how they're vetted and all that stuff. But I don't think that conversation is going to change any minds. So right. if you're if you really want to stay connected to someone, the piece of their argument that you can see has some validity is the piece that you connect with. Um, and I'm not saying that every that you want to stay connected to everybody. But if you go home to your Thanksgiving table and Uncle Martin is sitting across from you and you love Uncle Martin, you have to find a way to stay connected. And, you know, again, we at the beginning we mentioned even people on the same sides are conflicting. Mm-hmm. And so um, it has to do with, like, if you're further along in a development about something, so, for example, gay rights or transgender rights or something, and somebody who is an ally who's on your side but doesn't quite know the language and doesn't know exactly how to talk about it and might not be as fervent as you, but is generally on our side. Um, I, I've seen it even happen there where there can, you had talked about shaming people where that, you know, we can be shamed because we don't know the right language. We can be shamed because we're not saying it right. Um, we can be shamed because we're not angry enough or because we're too angry. That's right. Or because we aren't loving and empathetic enough. I mean, it goes, it sort of goes all over the place. And Anne had talked about inviting people into our fear instead of just coming at people. And so if I think the more, it is that same thing we've talked about before about if we show our vulnerability that, look, I'm scared of getting it wrong uh, help me get it right. Help me understand why that language is important or why the term politically correct is bad. Um, and like, bring me along with you. Uh, don't make me feel bad that I'm not already there. That's a good point, Sue. And and you mentioned that people on the same side, I'm seeing people on the same side having a lot of conflict. And why is that? And we mentioned this, I'm going to reiterate when we're saying what to do. 
when someone is getting too elevated, and I've been, you know, we can all feel guilty of getting too elevated, instead of tamping them down by saying you're being ridiculous, uh, bringing it back to I'm getting overwhelmed, you're going to need to bring it down because I'm overwhelmed rather than you're being ridiculous. So bringing in a joining statement to say I'm getting overwhelmed and could we could we tamp this down, you know, or not because you're too much, not because you're too because much. It's just because I'm too full. Right. And bringing yourself into the fear again, I think I want to come back one second to what Patty, you mentioned before, and that this part that's been disinhibited, that we're all feeling disinhibited right now. And that could be actually a good thing on some level. And that is that I think we are coming out of our comfort zone in believing that we've solved a lot of racial tensions and a lot of biases. And it's almost shocking to some of us to see it emerge to the level it is. So I want to believe that in bringing that out and seeing it, we might actually be able to intensify our voice against something rather than, and I think the most important part is to not divide into left and right and not to divide between, um, Republican and Democrat, but to let's unify what, when we do see these forces that are disinhibited and they actually are showing racial bias and tension and violence, that we as a group all together, no matter who you voted for, really stand up and say, wait, I could be for Trump, but I'm not for that. And I could be for Hillary, but Trump's our president, but I'm not for that. And can we unify around that? And so when you go home for Thanksgiving, when you have someone going, but you're ridiculous, because you should feel this way to say, stop, wait, do we agree? Could we agree that we don't believe that people of different nationalities should be treated poorly and treated violently and shunned? And could we agree we need to do something about that? Oh, no. I can imagine Uncle Martin going, hell no. <laughs> right. And, and I'm an American. Right. And, and Uncle Martin might. And then you know that that's not where you're going to join forces. But Aunt Sarah might, in fact, be able to say, I want to vote for Trump, but I agree that we should not be alienating and showing violence to African-Americans all across the country. Thank you for listening, and uh, we hope that your holidays are wonderful and that you find a way to navigate these rough seas at the Thanksgiving table. You can find more information about Therapist Uncensored at www.therapistuncensored.com. And in particular, we'd really love for you to join our email list so that you won't miss any of the goodies that we'll be offering. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're still with us, that means that you have probably found something uh, worthwhile to stick with it through the podcast because I know everybody's very busy. And if that's the case, we really want to ask you to go to your podcast player and please rate and review us. That really helps us out and it gives us the feedback that we need. And also it lets other people know that you find this of value and that's helpful to us. Now coming up, I just want to do a teaser. We've got several really great interviews scheduled with some leading experts. I mean, by leading, I mean really leading some of the grandfathers of interpersonal neurobiology, actually they might be insulted by that. Let's call them the fathers, uh, the originators, truth, truthfully, and some other really compelling experts that I think you're going to love. So stay tuned, and we will see you next time. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly, Patty Allwell, and Sue Marriott. Cameron Lindsay edits the show. <laughs>